Hello, welcome to Mule Mountain Messages, sermons from the pulpit of the Community Church of Warren in historic Bisbee, Arizona. At the Community Church of Warren, our heart is to build a Christian family as we contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. We desire to exalt our Savior, Jesus Christ, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, and evangelize the lost with the loving and life-saving gospel message. We are located at 201 Arizona Street in Bisbee, Arizona. Our services are Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday prayer at 5.30. For more information, call 520-432-4722. We invite you to come and join our family. Well, good morning again. Um... You know, I, I teach, right? Now, one of the things I never did teach was kindergarten. I never, that's not my bailiwick, really. But, uh, you know, and God bless our kindergarten teachers. And so there was a kindergarten teacher. And at the end of the year, you know, kids like to bring presents to their teachers and thank them for the year. And so there was this little boy whose uh, parents owned a florist shop. And he brought this brightly wrapped gift and and the teacher said oh thank you and she kind of shook it and she goes I bet you these are some beautiful flowers and and little Johnny's like yes it is you know and, and so and then a little girl came and brought her a gift and her parents owned a candy shop so she kind of lifted up shook it and uh and um and she said oh, I, I bet you these are some candies and they're like oh yes it is and so so a little boy comes up, right, and uh, his parents owned the liquor store, <laughs> and so, so he got this kind of strangely wrapped gift, and uh, and so she put it up, and she kind of shook it, and it kind of leaked a little bit, and so she kind of tasted it and said, "Well, I, I think it must be some wine," and you know, little boy's like, "Well, no, miss, it's not." So she shook it again, and it leaked a little more, and she goes, "Is it?" Champagne and no, and then she she tried it again and she goes, I just can't figure out what it is. What is it? He said, It's a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think it's funny, but anyway, it was. I'm glad there's not like a pulpit committee that, you know, critiques my jokes sometimes. Anyway. So, October 31st, 1517, an obscure monk and theological professor named Martin Luther nailed a list of 95 theses on the door of the local cathedral. Now, these theses or points, this is a way to do that, to say you wanted to debate these and, and debate these issues. And they questioned some of the practices of the church of that day as being unbiblical. And so ever since that day, that began what's called the Reformation. And today, October 31st, is also known as Reformation Sunday. Now, I had a completely different sermon planned until this morning, and then God put it on my heart to preach about 
Reformation Sunday. So uh, Dora gets up and I'm over there, you know, on the computer. But praise God, you know, he he gave me what he wanted me to share today. So these practices that Martin Luther had questioned, they were really things that the church was doing that had no basis in scripture at all. Such as the clergy and the church selling indulgences to raise money. Now indulgence was basically the church saying, you know what, you're a sinner and you sin, but if you pay me some cash and do a few acts of penance, then the church will forgive you. Okay? Now, that's nowhere in the Bible. Okay? And then he questioned the legitimacy of the Pope as the sole representative of God on earth. And the Bible tells us that there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. And then in it, he also protests this idea of purgatory. And they say that they preach only human doctrine. This is Martin Luther saying this. They preach only human doctrines who say that as soon as the money clinks into the money chest, the soul flies out of purgatory. So, and actually I think the Catholic Church is kind of moderated on that. But back then, purgatory again was a way that they had developed to raise money. And this list goes on, and there were some serious theological issues there that Martin Luther didn't set out to start a new church. He didn't set out to, to protest you know, this Protestant thing, but he just wanted to discuss these things, and he wanted to say, hey, I don't see this in my study of the Bible. Let's talk about it. But what ended up happening was this cataclysmic shift in the church. And so 504 years later, the church commemorates Reformation Sunday. And as was born as a result of this protest is what we now know as the Protestant churches. And another thing that resulted from this was this basic tenet that we as Christians have what's called the five solas, okay? The five uh, things that alone we are saved by. So we are saved by Scripture alone. We are saved through Christ alone. We are saved by grace alone. We are saved by faith alone. And saved by the glory of God and for the glory of God alone. Now, I want to caveat this. These are the tenets of the Reformation. Some of you might know these as a ref- being of the Reformed tradition. And there's a group out there that calls themselves Calvinists. And they are guided by the teachings of John Calvin. Uh, and they're closely associated with this Reformed tradition. However, one does not need to be a Calvinist to follow these five solas, so to speak. And and I may be just speaking to myself, but several years I was like, you know, I, I, I believe these things, but I'm not Calvinist. 
You know, I don't believe that God picks some people to go to hell and God saves only certain people. That God's salvation is open to all who come. And I believe that. Open to all who receive him. And and so I really kind of struggle with this till I talk to our friend Shane. He says, well, you know, you don't have to be Calvinist to believe in the, you know, to be reformed or whatever. I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> you know, I was like, but, uh, you know, it, he kind of helped guide me through some of these things because I'm not. I'm, I'm not Calvinist in background or uh, in belief at all. But I do agree with these five solas or sola is Latin for only, okay? And these five tenets were brought in and brought forth to really combat false teachings and heresies within the church, and today, such as back then, there are false teachings that have crept into our church. And it's a good exercise to go back and say, what is the church founded on? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? And it, when you do that, it helps guard us into following into this trap that says, wow, this sounds really good or this sounds really fair, I, you know, but... No, it's not in the Bible. So it's not true. It's not a tenet of our faith. So let's kind of take a look at these real quick. And um, and we'll just kind of walk through some of these. So the first one is by Scripture alone. Our salvation is by Scripture alone. 2 Timothy 3 says, And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is by scripture and scripture alone which all things are measured. And we do have of course, wise and learned men and women, people of God who are gifted to be able to expound on Scripture. But Scripture is the guide mark by which everything is measured. If it doesn't match with the Bible, it's wrong. Period. Exclamation point. And no, we cannot be like about 10 years ago, a certain bishop in Pennsylvania, Episcopal bishop, said a few years back, he said, hey, we wrote the Bible, we can change it. No, we can't. And uh, that's like ding, 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 heresy alert, boop, boop. You know, all, all these things should be going off in our head. Okay, if the Bible says something, then the Bible means it. God created male and female. And despite of what people may think, God didn't make any mistakes. So you get my point. If it doesn't jive with the Bible, then dump it. Right? Don't follow it. It's got to be in the Word of God. And then the second sola is through Christ alone. One time I had a discussion with a, a, a fella. And I don't know how we got to there, but he was like, well, you know, my, my philosophy is that we're like a wheel. And God is the hub. And all the spokes go to the wheel. So his, his philosophy was, it doesn't matter what you believe, that it all ends up in the same place. 
But the problem is, the Bible doesn't say that. Scripture's clear. In fact, Scripture's beyond clear that salvation, redemption from our sins, is through Christ and Christ alone. Acts 4.12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And John 14.6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is just a fact of Scripture. But it is also a fact that Christ is available to anyone who calls upon his name. Anyone. I'm reminded of the story of the Philippian jailer. It says, after God had miraculously released Paul and Silas from jail in Philippi, the Philippian jailer was about to kill himself because his prisoners had escaped. And they're like, no, no, no. They stopped and said, hey, we're still here. We're right here. And he was so relieved. He said, guys, he says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas told him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved, you and your household. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that belief described here was not some intellectual assent, but a surrendering of your life to him, being totally and without reservation dedicated to Christ. Through Christ alone, by scripture alone. Now, three and four I've kind of combined together because I've used the same scripture. But three is by grace alone. Four is by faith alone. You see, grace, God's grace, is receiving from him something we don't deserve. In our rebellious, sinful nature, we don't deserve anything from God except judgment. Yet through his love and because of his love and grace, he provided us Jesus. To take the punishment we deserve for the sins we have committed. He showers his grace upon us. Even though mankind tries to make it there apart from his grace. Yet we cannot earn our way to salvation. The Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. You know, I like to ask someone that believes this. How, how can we know if we're good enough? How much is good enough? What a great bummer it would be that when you get to judgment day and you're looking at the scale of your life and you got your fingers crossed and, man, you were one good work short. Right? Man, just one. It's like... Of course it doesn't work that way. Also, if, the, if we could work our way to heaven, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Why did, he have to die? why did he go through all that? If we could work our way to heaven, he'd be better off just being a coach. Come on, guys, you can do it. Hey, yeah, you know, from up in heaven. But no, he knew and God knew that there had to be a price paid for the sins that we committed. And that price was Jesus Christ. Of course, we know he didn't stay dead, did he? He rose again. 
But if we could work our way to heaven, that was a lot of wasted time and a lot of unnecessary pain and suffering on his part. Which was necessary. We can't work our way to heaven. We can't be good enough to earn our way to heaven. It's by God's grace alone that we're saved. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Is that any more clear? Right? It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Yeah, I got here on my own. I'm great. And it's by faith in Christ. Now notice, I like to say it's a gift of God. And the Bible says that in several places about being God's gift. It's a gift of God's grace and love for us, but with any gift, it has to be accepted and received, right? If you don't accept the gift, you don't have the gift. And then finally, to the glory of God alone. God is to receive all the glory for what he has done. He alone is the author and finisher of our faith. Isaiah 43, 7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. He says, for my glory. We're made for God's glory. God receives all the glory. And we give God all the glory, just like the songs that we sing, for all the great things he has done. And if you don't like to do that now, you're going to be disappointed because you're going to be doing a lot up in heaven. The book of Revelation gives us some glimpses. It says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they existed. They exist and were created. Angels are saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And Revelation tells us every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Finally, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Well, to the glory of God alone, by grace alone, by faith alone, through Christ alone, by Scripture alone. That is salvation. That is how it's outlined for us. And as we go through our days, there's going to be more and more. The Bible tells us that in the end days, people are going to gather among themselves people who want to tickle their ears. In other words, they want them to hear 
what they want to hear what they want to hear. They want to hear what makes them feel good. They don't want to hear what the truth is. And so we got to be aware of that. We got to understand that. And when we look at that, does it meet that litmus test of scripture alone, faith alone, Christ alone, grace alone, to the glory of God alone? If it doesn't, then get rid of it. Don't follow it. Don't go there. Go to the Word of God. Thank you. Well, I hope it has given you a better appreciation for the Reformation and its impact that it's had on our lives and the lives of untold millions as they rejoice in their walk with a personal and loving Savior. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you, Lord God, that you shower your grace upon us. Father, we thank you that your arms are open to us and to all who choose to receive you. Father, I pray that we can be willing vessels for you, that we can share, Lord God, uh, with those that need to hear, those that are ready to hear your love and your grace, Lord. Father, fill us with your grace. Fill us with your love. Father, I pray that when people think of us as our church family here and our church universal, that, Father, they will look at us and say, you know, I want what they have. Or even if they disagree with us, Lord God, I pray they'll look and say, I wish I could take what they have. But Father, um, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. And Father, I pray that your praise is on our lips all this week and going forth, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds and knowledge and love of God and of His Son Jesus Christ our Lord and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Now let us go forth in the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you.